This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Ready to dive into God's Word with us? Join our next online Bible study. Throughout the year, we'll dive into Lifeway Women's Studies that cover a variety of topics and hear from several different amazing Bible teachers. For each study, you can access the teaching videos for a limited time, comment and interact with others walking through the study, and track your progress. See what we're studying next at lifewaywomen.com forward slash OBS. Hello and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elizabeth Hyman, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. It's been a good day and we are so excited to have an author with us today that we have had on our list of people that we wanted to interview for a super long time. So we want to welcome uh, Jasmine Holmes to the Mark Podcast. Jasmine, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we often talk about this list, and I promise y'all it is a real actual list real that we list. have. Yes. And Jasmine, I think your name has been like in the top slot for a long time. We've wanted to talk to you. Um, we've wanted to meet you and get to chat with you. So we're so excited about this. Um, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and what you do, your ministry. Um, I am a mom to three boys. Um, me and my husband, Philip, we live in Jackson, Mississippi. I was a teacher for um, nine years. I stopped teaching during the pandemic and I miss it so much. So I do it on Instagram um, every day. I am a writer um, and I love to write and teach about black history normally. Um, and I am, yeah, that's that's about it, I think. Yeah, I, I did it. not realize that you were in Jackson. I don't know why I hadn't put that together, but yeah, you're just kind of on the west side of Tennessee, aren't you? Yep, yeah. We, um, oh no, Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, Jack, okay. <laughs> yes. For some reason, I was thinking Jackson, Tennessee, and then I did. I, I was like, them. maybe no. it is west. I was like, I know it's more south, but maybe it's like, also well, west. Okay, <laughs> now that makes sense. <laughs> now, now I'm like, okay, that to me, I was thinking that you were south, so that's awesome, awesome. Well, we yeah. we have wanted to talk to you for a long time, but we have kind of held off because that we know that you have a new book that's been released called Never Cast Out, mm-hmm. How the Gospel Puts an End to Shame. And we want to dive in a little bit on this subject because I think it's a really important subject for us to consider, but tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write the book and maybe just the process of it. Yeah, I actually, so I came to um, Ashley Gorman, my editor, with another book idea of a book that released in 2021 called Carved in Ebony. And so that was what the meeting was about. And I was just like, I really want to talk to you about this book. I think that it may be a good fit for B&H. And for people who don't know about the writing process, you know, when you have a book idea, there's usually like three or four different publishers who are kind of looking and deciding. And, um, you know, if you're really big time, they get into a bidding war and they argue over you and all that stuff. I've never had that happen, but maybe someday. <laughs> um, but B&H was very like, well, we love the idea. We think that since you have some other people that are options, they may be a better option for you. Um, and Ashley said, but I do have another idea that I want to talk to you about. And I was just... 
I told my agent, I was like, Ashley is, it's, it's, she's going to want me to write a book about womanhood. I just know it. And I don't want to write about womanhood. Like I really don't. And, um, he said, okay, well, but we're still going to have the meeting. And I said, of course I love Ashley and I want to work with her on something someday. So I'll just have the meeting. And basically my plan was to let her down gently. (laughs) And so we get into the meeting and she says, um, you know, this is something that I've noticed you writing about. It's something that I've kind of seen throughout your story. It's something that, and again, I'm thinking she's going to say something about biblical womanhood because it is something that I'm super passionate about kind of like writing the perception of what we think of as biblical womanhood versus Mm -hmm. what's actually in the Bible. And so it is something that I had written about in blog posts a lot, but mm-hmm. not anything that I wanted to write a book about. And so she's talking and I'm just, you know, winding up my like, no, we're not going to do this. And she goes, and in all of your posts about womanhood, I see this, this um, thread, this common thread, and it's shame. And I just kind of gawked at her because <laughs> it's shame is something that I've been in therapy for six, seven years. And shame is something that comes up a lot in my therapy sessions. I am um, the oldest of nine. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm an oldest daughter. And so shame is my best friend. And so when she said it, um, I'm not one to normally cry in front of people. I am very like, I like to keep it stoic in front of others. Um, My therapist has barely seen me even cry. My husband, when I'm crying, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) So I, but I cried and it's just like, oh my goodness. Like she sees this thing that God has been doing. And I'm over here thinking that I know exactly where this conversation is going. And it completely blindsided me and I went into the meeting thinking that I was going to say no and really feeling like the Holy Spirit was asking me to say yes. I love how God uses like our things that are things we struggle with to help one another. And I think that's such a beautiful picture that she saw that and was just like, oh, this is what the message that we need to get out into the world. And on the other hand, that's always like, I don't really want to talk about something that's not fun to talk about right. or that, that I'm having to deal with. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think there's oftentimes where God asks us to talk about what we struggle with. And it's always, um, it can be a source of shame. Like it can yes. be yes. hard to get over and be vulnerable um, with people. So thank you for being willing to do that. Because I know a lot of women um, have similar stories and similar struggles. So what are some of the sources of shame that you explore in the book? Like what area of shaming do you think women struggle with the most? Is it body image, comparison, parenting? Like what are some of the sources? And then what would you say is a especially difficult one for women? Well, for me, the book was very much, I wanted to tell my story. There are books out there that are written by professionals um, in the field of psychology, professionals in the field of data science and collection, um, theologians who specialize in knowing the difference between Eastern perceptions of shame versus Western perceptions. And I just wanted this book to be like, hey, this is not that. This is me being a lay person who's kind of sharing my own struggle. the soul of shame already exists. <laughs> Brene Brown's work already exists. Um, this is not in competition with that. This is, you know, me giving my story. And so it really required a lot of digging into my own story with shame. And so where where I've experienced the most shame is truly my perception of what a woman is supposed to be. And it's so interesting because 
not really interesting because you kind of alluded to it. I feel like it's like asking God for patience. Uh, he'll give you a lot of opportunities to test <laughs> patience. And yeah. so asking God to teach me about shame, um, just open the floodgates. So when I said yes to writing the book, um, it was 20, the end of 2020. And by January, 2021, I was pregnant with my third child. Um, I had, you know, I had just stopped teaching and was kind of having an identity crisis of like, oh, if I'm not a teacher, then what am I? Then who am I? Um, if I work from home and I'm a stay-at-home mom, but my house isn't always clean, am I a stay-at-home mom? Like, what, like just all these things of like, you know, keeping the house tidy, being sick every single day. I was sick every single day with my baby until the day he was born. Um, to having to be induced to being a high risk pregnancy. I'm looking at all of, all of the reasons in my life of why I'm high risk. Oh, I have high blood pressure. Is that my fault? Oh, my baby is premature. Is that my fault? I'm having trouble breastfeeding. Is that my fault? I'm having trouble being patient with my other children. Is that my fault? And so it was just this cascade of new motherhood, like rolling down the hill at me the entire time that I was writing this book. And so those are the areas that I most felt shame in my feelings of inadequacy, mothering my three boys um, and being a wife to my husband. I think so many women can identify with that. Even like I'm single, I don't have kids, but I can see that in my own life in other areas, but a similar thing, like, is this my fault? Is this um, because of something that I have done, a sin in my life, or just something that I've just done wrong um, in so many ways. And so I, I think that'll be very helpful for women. And yes, be careful what you pray for, everyone. <laughs> yeah, And even Jasmine, I mean, my kids are grown now. And you still, there are still things like that that come up that you question or you put it back on yourself and you think, wow, does that come back on me? Did I do yeah. that in their life? And so I, I just definitely think, and I think you speak about this, you know, in the book, but, you know, look at the Genesis, where did shame enter? You know, mm -hmm. it happens right when sin enters, right? I mean, this is the first thing yeah. Eve talks, talk to us a little bit about even that, the theology of that. I was talking to my friend, um, Deneen Blevins. She's a part of a ministry called Pericaleo. Um, and I mentioned her in the foreword of the book because I was talking to her about shame and she asked me um, where my where my fig leaves were. And I was like, where are my fig leaves? And she was like, yeah, the fig leaves, the things that you try to do in order to cover your nakedness when really like God has to be the one to cover your nakedness. And it completely changed my entire perception of shame. You know, I had, I of course knew that shame was a result of the fall, but the fact that we can trace the birth of shame back to the garden of Eden and back to when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, that instant that they felt like they wanted to hide was the instant that shame came into the world. Um, they covered themselves up and they lied and they blame shifted and they, you know, really tried to run away from God. Um, it was the opposite of what repentance would be, right? Throwing yourself at God's feet for mercy, saying, I've messed up. I've, I've, done, a, I've done a terrible thing. Um, please forgive me. Please help me. Um, shame pushes us away from that and pushes us deeper and deeper into this self-loathing and this hiding that we see in the garden. And so the idea of fig leaves just became one that was like a constant in the back of my head while I was writing the book because I was thinking about the ways that we hide and the ways that we try to um, find remedies for shame outside of just casting ourselves on Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I even think about the the passage where you know, just where Jesus took on our shame, you know, Definitely. and and what He did for us, and so what a reminder that He took that um, for us and the freedom that we can have in that. I also really enjoyed what when you talk about that. Sometimes there's a there's a difference between shame and sanctification, mm-hmm. and how we get that confused. Would you talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, I think sometimes there are just things in my life that God is working on that I don't have to self-flagellate over. Like I tell, um, I would always joke with <laughs> with my parents. Again, pastor's kid, so we would talk about like we would talk about the Reformation and Martin Luther and how you know they're they're selling these indulgences and like priests are doing these terrible things to and again this is me talking about what's happening in Martin Luther's day this is not me talking about Catholicism as it is today um but these priests are literally walking across broken glass to try to atone for their sin and I relate to that so much I would rather walk across broken glass then trust that God is just going to love me if I just come to him. Because at least if I'm bleeding, I have some tangible proof that I've done something to try to gain God's love. And um, I think, you know, learning, hey, that's not how God works. Like, you you just have to come to him. You just have to say um, that I'm sorry. You just have to repent and ask him to help you. You just have to, you know, repent and ask him to help you move forward. Um there are so many patterns in my life that God is working on things that whether they are things that are from a sin nature or things that just come from my frailty as a person um, that he's just working on and, and making, making room for. And it's so easy for me to turn to shame instead of turning to him and allowing him to do the work. That's so good. Yeah. I feel like this is this is going to be an episode that people are just like, yes, she's speaking directly to me right now um, because I feel like so many of us feel that same way. Just the the need to earn um, grace and that's what grace is, is unearned. And so I think that's so helpful for people to hear um, the difference between those two for sure. Okay, something a little bit lighter. Um, (laughs) The cover design. We love it. It is so pretty and so cool. So tell us more about the art that's featured on the cover of the book. I actually had very little to do with the art that's featured okay. on the book. They, and I had very little to do with the title. The title was originally, He Will Never Cast You Out. And I was like, I feel like that's long. Um, and my husband says I'm going to have to get over this because I have, so I have another book coming out in September and then I have a book that I'm contracted to write after that. And the book that's coming out in September also has three words in the title. And so do all the other books that I have written. And he's like, you're going to have to not, you're going to have to get over that. I'm like, I know, but like. <laughs> or maybe it's like your brand, you know? <laughs> it's the three word brand. Yes. Yes, yes. And so they sent five completely different covers um, in as part of this process where I just was, this book was such a, I feel, I feel so much ownership over my other books. I feel ownership over the research that I did. I feel ownership over, um, the concepts, but this one is such a God thing and such a work of his grace in my life that I just feel like I'm along for the ride. I feel like I wrote, I wrote what was true. I wrote what I found in the scriptures. I wrote what was real and God's just carrying the rest <laughs> across mm-hmm. across the across the finish line. And so even the cover was such an example of that. 
um, I had actually gone with another cover that was completely different, one that um, had more like, it had leaves incorporated and I was thinking about the fig leaves and, you know, I was, it was a beautiful cover, um, but, and we were like moving forward with like changing it and tweaking it and getting it ready. And then I came back to Ashley and I was like, I just keep coming back to that first cover. I just keep coming back. And I really want, I really think that it's the right decision. And Ashley had known that it was right, the right decision from the beginning, but um, who's a good <laughs> editor. So she just she stepped out of my way and let me kind of fumble onto that in my own, <laughs> in my own string. Well, there is something unique about it. And it, the, I guess maybe even the colors, it just kind of draws you in. Mm -hmm. So I, definitely, I think that people will see it. And I think they'll, I mean, there is something important about a cover. Cover design is is not easy. That's a, oh. it's a people think yeah. of, and, and even titling, like you talked about just, you know, what to name it. I think people think, oh, a writer comes to a publisher with this name and that's it. And it can be, but it sometimes goes through a lot of changes, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, and honestly, like I said, this is my fifth book. And the the first four, I came to the table with a title. And that was a title that actually ended up being the title of the book. I that's came awesome. to the table with a cover idea. And, you know, that's what they use as a springboard. You know, I came to the table with all these things. Um, but for Never Cast Out, again, I was brought to the table. And then they were like, all right, well, you know, what do you think? And I was like, I, I, this is such a different book for me. Like, this is just spirit is moving i don't know <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna figure it out and um it all just worked together really beautifully i just got my my copies in the mail about a week ago and um it's gorgeous it's eye-catching and the wonderful thing about having such a beautiful cover is with my next book the cover designer for the one that's coming out in september was like i'm looking at your last covers and i feel like like the bar set really high and i'm like yes oh. it is <laughs> That's I love awesome. that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's awesome. And you know, they say not to judge a book by its cover, but we all do. We do. So like, <laughs> we do. so that's a, it's always good to have a good cover. And I always say it's good to have a good spine as well, because a lot of times on bookshelves, all you see is a spine. So oh, I'm like, true. you got to also judge it by its spine. <laughs> that is true. Well, and I even, there was a, a few years ago, a study done on people who read from their Kindles. And mm. if let's just say you're a commuter on a you know mass transit and they said, you miss the opportunity for people to see what you're reading, like the yeah. covers. And so yeah. that's, that's a true. huge thing for people to, to see kind of what like you're conversation reading. starters and mm -hmm. get to know people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, another like shift I wanna do is we, we've been following you on social media for a long time and we, you are like you, love to talk about history and you talked about teaching so let's just share a little bit about your passion for that yeah i so um i miss teaching so much you guys you don't even if, <laughs> if you want to pray for me just pray that an opportunity opens up for me to get back into the classroom because i miss it so much um yeah. but you know i have three small children so this is just not my exact season but I started teaching right out of high school, um, right out of high school, right out of college. Um, right out of high school, I was like doing, um, I was tutoring every summer and doing and doing writing classes and just like really enjoyed it. And I majored in English in college. Um, my dad told me that I should major in history because I was obsessed with history. And I was, again, oldest son, never rebelled, like never rebelled ever in my life. <laughs> um, but I was like, no, dad, I'm going to be an English major. Um, because I'm going to be a writer and writers have to be English majors. And 
So I ended up being an English major. And um, my first year teaching, I taught literature and history and literature and history for every year after that until finally I just, you know, eventually I just only started teaching history and just loving it so much. And I've always taught at classical school, so I've never actually gotten to teach much Black history in the classroom. I teach, um, I can draw a mean family tree for the Carolingian Empire. That is my secret talent. <laughs> um, Greek mythology, I got you all day, every day. Um, but coming out of the classroom and being able to teach online has been an awesome opportunity to dig more into Black history, which is an especial passion of mine. Um, growing up in the church and seeing uh, all of the examples that I was given in Christian biographies, which I love to read, right? So like Mary Slessor and Amy Carmichael and Gladys Alward and George Mueller. Like I love those biographies. Corey Ten Boom. Um, you know the ones I'm talking about? I, like some yeah. people do. Oh, yes. The like, cover and the picture on the front. Yes. yes. I loved those. I loved those so much. I want those to come back and I want to write all of them. Um, but I never had, I, I read one um, about Sojourner Truth, and that was the only Black woman that I read. And it's only been as an adult that I realized that there are names of Black Christians who also fall into those categories. And so rediscovering the Christian heritage of um, Black foremothers and forefathers of the faith has been such an incredible experience and such a healing experience for the younger part of me that always loved learning that history and didn't know that I was a part of it. I feel like you should be like an adjunct professor. Like, I feel yeah. like that would be a really good place for you because you could still, you know, like, I, I feel like you could teach what you wanted to teach. And like, there's niche little things that they need adjunct professors for. And you would, you would fit really well into that. I would love it. I'm actually um, maybe going back to school in the fall. I told okay. my husband um, I have to do it between books and he, he laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Has since 2020, I've released five books, and so he was oh, like, oh, "Are you really? Are you gonna? Oh my gosh! Are you gonna do it between books?" Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, "I am," and he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, mm -hmm. yeah, but we'll see." <laughs> well, as I was also an English major, I was an English writing major, um, but we had a lot of overlap with the history department because I think they, like, we had double yes. majors, but. To learn the history of somewhere, a, a great way to do that is to read the literature and read, mm -hmm. like, it's such a good way to get into people's shoes that are different from you, that are, um, that lived completely different lives in completely different places than you. And so I like that that's kind of the path that you yeah. came from and, like, reading those biographies. Like, that's such a good way to, like, learn about the history of a place, but also like what it was really like to live in that time and with those people yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And, and Jasmine, I mean, like Elizabeth, I know you and I both went to a liberal arts college and in mm -hmm. my sophomore year, we were required, like Western Civ was part of our yep. requirement. Was it for you too? Yes. And it was a combination of literature and history. Like it was in, so I feel like, like Jasmine needs to teach Western Civ. Like I think <laughs> yes. that would be right up her alley. Yeah. I actually was like my uh, minor, one of my minors was interdisciplinary studies. Yeah. So I always joked with people that every class I ever took was like a history class. And I went to a Christian college. So a lot of it was like the history of the church. And I was like, I know all about all the like councils and all the creeds and all those things. Um, now I don't, but at the time I knew them forwards and backwards and when everybody went and all the things. Yeah. So, um, yes. And I grew up near, uh, or I went to college near Milan, Tennessee, which is not Milan. And so every uh, professor made the joke of the like 
Milan, the Milan, Council of Milan, is that right? And they were always like, not Milan. <laughs> and I heard that joke so many times. Um, but yes, it all overlaps. So speaking of like learning about other cultures and history and things like that, what is someone who are one of your black women heroes that maybe a lot of people haven't heard of? Like you said, a lot of us haven't heard a lot about these women, these ancestors in our faith that are um, women of color and we just don't know about them. So what's what's a black woman that you would love to tell us about? Mariah Fearing is exciting because Karen Ellis is releasing a children's book about her um, this summer. And I have seen it and it is beautiful and just written with all of... Karen is one of those people who is brilliant, but the way that she talks to children has so much whimsy. I love it. I love to hear her talk to my boys. I love to hear her talk to her granddaughter. And so I'm super excited to have this book that just like captures her voice. Um, But Mariah Fearing was born into slavery in Alabama in 1838 and ended up as a 50-year-old woman going overseas and becoming a missionary to the Congo. Wow. Um, and it's just such a great story. You know, the the missionary association that was sending missionaries to the Congo, she went to them and applied and they were like, "Um, you're old. Uh, you're not going to be able to, you know, which I always like whenever I tell the story, I'm like, remember, 50 in 1838 is not 50. Right. Although she let, she lived to be 99. So she was still very much, you know, in her prime. Um, And so she had been born into slavery after the Civil War. She worked um, for a school and learned how to read. I love the picture of her just like sitting in the classroom with these, you know, young children and humbling herself and because she wanted to learn because she wanted to learn how to read. And um, did domestic work and saved up enough money to buy her own house, which is a feat for any woman in the 1860s. Um, and so when they told her that she couldn't go, she sold her house and used the money to finance her own journey to the Congo. Um, she set up a a school for girls there. She also rescued boys. Um, this is like during a time where, um, Prince Leopold, King Leopold of Belgium kind of like was colonizing the Congo and doing a lot of rubber mining. It's estimated that 10 million Congolese, um, people were killed under the reign of King Leopold. And so yes, yes. And so that's when, that's when she's there. So it's just this like, I mean, it's, it's perilous and it's treacherous and she's doing crazy things like trading a pound of salt for a child. And just, I mean, it's wild. It's wild. And her home um, called the Pantops Home for Girls was a haven for just so many children who were parentless because of all of the conflict that was going on in the area at the time. Um, And then she ended up coming back home um, because of health issues, but she always kept enough money set aside to go back just in case God called her um, because she wanted to be buried in the Congo. Wow. That is such a cool story. Yes. I, I want to, I, I, now it makes me, and in fact, really following you on social media, it really does, it's very educational, Jasmine. Mm-hmm. You are a good teacher and it's really, it's healthy for us to get to know people that we don't necessarily, like maybe has, they've been in our history books or even in our Christian, you know, history that we've all known. So I appreciate that. And I would love for you to write a series of young adult biographies yes. for these women. That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be fun? I, would I don't love- have any pool in that area, but I, I, you get my vote. <laughs> yeah. 
my agent is always trying to get me to like um, settle on an idea. He's like, well, would you want to write biographies for kids or would you want to write children's books or would you want to do graphic novels or would you want to? And I'm like, yes. All yes. the things. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's like, okay, I need you to give me one idea. <laughs> they could be graphic novels, biographies for young adults. Oh. I don't. I don't um, see the problem with combining all those things. I'm just like, just give me, just tell me. I Honestly, this entire process of Never Cast Out spoiled me. Like, to have a publisher come to me with an idea. Yeah. And, uh, and be like, hey, we'll pay you to write this idea. I'm like, okay, well, this is how it needs to work. <laughs> yeah. This should be from now on. Yes. Well, I'm saying that I feel like there's a need for that. So, um, oh, again, I work in the Life Women Academy area, so not in this area, but I would... I would get that vote. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. Well, we also, we have, like, Elizabeth and I, you know, even though you're on this podcast, we've listened to your podcast with Melissa Krueger and Jackie Hill Perry called Let's Talk. Yes. And we, we love that podcast. Are y'all going to, like, how'd y'all start that? And are you going to do more? Tell us the scoop on that. Yeah, we actually have, um, we started the podcast because Jackie, I think, I think Melissa was the first person approached, then Jackie, and Jackie threw my name into the hat. And it was so funny because, like, nobody here in Jackson cares about who I am. Do you know what I mean? Like, when you're at home with your friends, nobody cares. And so I was, like, at a women's thing just hanging out, and (laughs) this lady was like, whoa, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going to record this podcast. And she said, who are you going to record? I was like, oh, Jackie Hilperry, Melissa Kruger. Um, And she's like, why did they ask you? I was like, girl, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but I'm so excited. Like, I wasn't even, I know it sounds like so rude, but like, I was like, I know, like, I don't know why, but I'm super excited. And so it's just, it was an amazing experience. It was so fun to do. Um, And then for the last one, Jackie and I were both pregnant and we were commiserating and I just really enjoy being around the two of them. Um, And for this, I'm not sure if this is public yet or if it's allowed to be public. So take it out if not um but we are working we are working on an ephesian study with lifeway um that's supposed to come out in 2024 so we're working together on that um and that'll involve us getting to sit around and talk again and i'm really excited about it oh yeah in fact we we kind of wanted to maybe hint at it but yes yeah we got permission to mention it if it came up so (laughs) we're glad that it came up we're excited uh for that as well and i know like when y'all were having episodes every week, it was like common talk amongst the, like in the proverbial water cooler at life. We were like, did you, did everyone listen to let's talk? Like you need to listen to this episode. And we would say like, Oh, I love what Jasmine said here. I love what Jackie said here. Like I'm quoting people in our meetings and stuff. And so it was such a good podcast and I'm assuming it's still up. So if women want to go back and listen to the older episodes, they probably can. Yeah. I would imagine. Um, yeah. I mean, I would go back and listen to it and be like, wow, <laughs> that was really fun. Like, it would just give me those fun feelings again of like remembering and be like, oh, that was that was a fun conversation. And just being friends, I think being friends in real life is really helpful. That was just a God thing because it could have just brought together three people who are kind of like iffy about each other, but we all genuinely like each other and enjoy each other um, and have, you know, seen each other at best and at my part I know they've seen me at my worst because they have seen me heavily pregnant so (laughs) (laughs) well it's a great podcast so everyone should go listen to that and then obviously subscribe to mark podcasts like that's but we're not going to tell you not to listen to other podcasts you can listen to to all of them yeah okay so the question that we always ask 
every episode, because this is the Marked Podcast, is what is something that has marked you in your walk with Christ? Mm. What is something that has marked me in my walk with Christ? The fact that he carries my shame. And I'm honestly not just saying that because of the book. I am a lifelong struggler with shame. I I think I said earlier, I go, I've been in therapy for several years. I went to a new therapist a, f- a few weeks ago and I'm talking to her about an issue. And she goes, you know, Jasmine, like you have so much shame talk, like mm-hmm. constantly. Is that just always in the back of your head? And I was like, that's so funny that you say that. Cause remember how five minutes ago you asked me what I did for a living? And I said, I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just knowing that Knowing, knowing the depths of care he has for me and knowing that he carries my shame because I have carried it and it is a very heavy load. And so knowing that he takes that off of my shoulders has has really marked me and, and continues to be a truth that I have to preach to myself every day um, that changes my life, you know, if I let it. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that our listeners are really going to resonate with just even this podcast and the, especially the message of your book, because I do think it's something that, and, and not, I mean, not just women, men and women, we all deal with shame, but I do think there's some specific things that, and ways that women um, do really, this is something that we have to consider and really put that in the hands of the Lord. So thank you, Jasmine, for being faithful to write it and being so vulnerable and transparent mm-hmm. in your own story of sharing that with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us again for another week of the Mark Podcast. And we hope that you'll be back next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifewaywomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.